The reading from God's law today is from 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, which reads, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Please be seated. We're getting close to the end of our short series through the seven deadly sins, and today we're looking at the fifth sin in this list, which is the sin of lust. And we often think of lust as a sexual sin. Um, and indeed, that certainly is within the scope of um, the definition or meaning of the word lust. In Romans 1.27, for example, when Paul was describing the sin of homosexuality, he wrote that men left the natural use of the woman and burned in their lust for one another. And in Matthew 5, verse 28, Jesus says that anyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so uh, the sin of lust uh, definitely is and often is a sexual sin, but it's not always a sexual sin. Lust is defined as a deep desire, um, a longing, or a craving. It's a passionate desire to do something, to experience something, or to possess something. And when we apply this definition to what Paul wrote about homosexuality, it's not difficult to understand the, the sexual nature of lust. And when we apply this definition to what Jesus said about committing adultery in our hearts, it's not difficult to understand the sexual nature of lust. In both cases, people are acting upon a, a passionate desire for a sinful sexual experience, either physically or mentally. But the Bible speaks of other forms of lust as well. In 1 Corinthians 10, in the context of uh, describing how the Israelites were disobedient to the Lord in the wilderness, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 10 says, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Speaking of the Israelites. So that we won't lust after the evil things that they lusted after. Well, what were the evil things that the Israelites lusted after? Well, in the very context of this, uh, of 1 Corinthians 10, it lists the things, food, water, idols, security, permanent housing, a comfortable and easy life, these are the things that the Israelites were lusting after. And you'll notice that almost all of these things are not inherently sinful. Food is not inherently sinful. Water is not inherently sinful. Idols are inherently sinful, but security is not, nor is permanent housing. And when we see what's going on in the Ukraine and in Israel right now, we can only conclude that the Lord has blessed so many of us with comfortable and easy lives. 
So the reason these things are being listed as sins that the Israelites lusted after, sins that the Israelites committed, is because they were lusting after these things. They longed for them. They had an intense craving for them. They had a passionate desire for these things to the extent that they complained against God when they were unable to attain these things. In our reading of God's law this morning, the Apostle John mentions lust three times. He wrote about lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and lust of the world. And the lust of the flesh is probably the the easiest to understand of all of these. Uh, It's the deep desire, longing, and craving for carnal gratification. Paul is referring to the lust of the flesh in Romans 1 when he's writing about the sin of homosexuality. Paul was also referring to the lust of the flesh in 1 Corinthians 10 when he wrote about how the Israelites were lusting after food and water. Those were things, all things, that served the function of providing carnal, fleshly gratification. The lust of the eyes pertains to the things that we see. Because our eyes are often a source of selfish desires, uh, the focus here is on the greed that's aroused by the things our eyes lust after. This is David standing on the rooftop looking at Bathsheba while she's bathing. This is the woman who's staring at the Better Homes and Garden magazine, lusting in her heart for a luxurious home. This is the man who's waiting at the stoplight, lusting in his heart for the shiny red sports car that's in front of him. And the third form of lust that John mentions is the lust of the world. Uh, This pertains to worldly philosophies and worldly ideologies. Uh, It's the desire to live according to the ways of the world rather than the ways of the Lord. It's the craving the Israelites had for a human king to rule over them so they could be like the other nations. It's the uh, longing many singles have to adopt the world's standard of dating and relationships rather than the Lord's standards. It's the passionate desire many Christians have for living a comfortable and easy life rather than dying to self and following the Son of Man who has nowhere to lay his head. These evil things, John says, do not originate from God. Rather, they spring from the corrupt hearts of men, women, and children who are unwilling to surrender their desires to the will of God. That's the essence of the sin of lust. That is the essence of the sin of lust. It's your unwillingness to surrender your desires to the will of God. There may be very good things that your heart is seeking, but if that's not within the will of God and you continue to desire them with a passion that is lusting after the things that, that uh, uh, where you have not surrendered your, your desires to the will of God. Look again at verse 17. John writes, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Do you see the contrast that John is establishing in this verse? John is contrasting sinful lust with doing the will of God. Sinful lust is passionate desires to experience carnal gratification. It's greedy cravings for the things that we see in the world. 
and the, the longing to adopt the standards and the ideologies of the unbelieving world. John is saying that if you indulge in those lusts, then you're sinning against God because you're not submitting your desires to his will. There are a lot of carnal gratifications that God prohibits. He says, I know you want that, but I'm telling you no, so stop desiring it. And if you continue desiring it, you are lusting in a sinful manner. There are also a lot of pleasant and pleasurable things in this world that God says, that's not what I have planned for you at this time in your life. This is not the time for you to enjoy a luxurious home. This is not the time for you to go on a cruise. This is not the time for you to own a Ferrari. So stop lusting after those things and set your desires on what I have for you at this time in your life. And if you continue to desire those things that the Lord is not providing, that he, that, that are, that he has made known that his will is not for you to have those things, then, then you are committing the sin of lust. And the world offers a lot of alternatives to the expressed will of God. The world tells us you don't have to keep the Lord's standards. You can do whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. As long as it's not hurting anybody else, what's the big deal? Why would you put yourself under the restrictions and oppression of some ancient moral code? We've come a long way, baby. We're much more enlightened now. Uh, you, have, you have the right to be happy. The world is your oyster. Just do it. Our reading of God's law this morning is telling us to put off the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the world, and to put on submission to God's will. You're being told to surrender your desires to God, and when you do this, then you'll abide in the Lord forever. So let us submit ourselves to the Lord, brothers and sisters. Let us cast down lust and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and let us bring all of our thoughts and desires into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And where you have failed to do this, where the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart of your own failure in lusting after the things of the world or the things of, of the eyes or the things of the flesh, then take comfort in knowing that God pardons and forgives all who truly repent while trusting in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And because repentance of sin begins with confession of sin, we confess our sins to the Lord.